you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the NFL Podcast. Wishes every day was Sunday. Sure, why not? From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis with heroes Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, the week six flagship program. Boys, another big day of football in the books, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for today's show. It feels good to football. You know what? They nailed that. They nailed that. And uh, it is a, you know, a feeling for uh, New York football fans in particular that something is happening here, uh, something different uh, for the Jets and Giants. And that's becoming a storyline now in the season. Uh, as unbelievable it is, the fact that the Giants and Jets are 9-3 and three combined uh, to start the season. And we're going to get to that. But, Mark, I think where we have to start. Ooh-wee. Somewhere else. A different New York team. Yeah. The only New York the only, team. The only team hey, actually stationed hey, in New York State. Hey, there's only one real New York team. That's how people from Western New York That's talk. who I'm connecting with with that comment. The, the other two play in New Jersey. Hey, hey, over the board over there. But they don't. that's not their accent. No, I lost it. Right. Let's get back on track. <laughs> to Kansas City, where the Buffalo Bills look to make a statement. Against the juggernauts of the AFC. Revenge. Mahomes takes, has a pocket, gets away to the right a little bit. He fires downfield. It is picked off. Picked off of the 20-yard line. Intercepted by the Bills. Picked off by Darren Johnson. He goes down right there. And the Bills have the football. They are celebrating. They're running down to the end zone for the celebration. They pick off Patrick Mahomes. John Murphy, get pumped up. WGR with the call. A huge huge win for the Bills who go to Arrowhead, get a late touchdown from Josh Allen to Dawson Knox, and then get the big interception there uh, to seal a 24-20 win. Getting some revenge, yes, for the AFC Divisional loss in January, as painful as that was. Uh, Mark, you had your eyes on this with the first overall pick. Let's talk about it. Well, we all did because this is so far the game of the year. And I, I look at that last drive and say this difference between 
this Buffalo team and the one that fell to Kansas City in heartbreaking fashion 11 months ago or a year ago, whenever that was, uh, f- January. <laughs> I, I, I understand how months work. To it is degree. October, so you're about right. 10 months ago. About yeah. 10 months ago. Is their defense so well coached? And you're going you're gonna to give up plays to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But along with that stop on the final drive, I go back to how the game started as well, where another major a series of events for Buffalo happened because of their defense. It looked like Patrick Mahomes on their opening drive had thrown one of the passes of the years to Marcus Valdez-Scantling, a touchdown that was taken away by an ineligible man downfield. Seconds later, a nearly perfect pass to Travis Kelsey is knocked out of his arms by a Buffalo defender. And then Patrick Mahomes ends the first drive of the game with an interception to Kyra Lamb. Like this is Buffalo's defense was a difference maker in this in every way that they weren't last January. Well, just I hate to be so basic, but Von Miller was the difference. Yeah. The, the last three drives of the game were ended by Von Miller. One of that? them was on a pressure to force a field goal at a time, uh, you know, where you're expecting KC to get seven. Uh, another one was on a sack, and then he's the one that flushes Mahomes out on that final play. And what was crazy was how many times Mahomes escaped the pass rush today, but how many of those times were just three or more often four-man pressures? They were not having to send extra guys to get free rushers in. One of those rushes where Miller ended the drive was on a three-man rush, so they got to drop eight, but Bond won so quickly. He was absolutely the difference, and he's getting support from the guys around him, and I just couldn't help but think everything Mahomes did in this game was hard. Both the touchdowns were like incredible throws. Like there was nothing easy for the Chiefs it, in this it game. Does or you, Allen, for that matter. It reminds you a little bit of how they attacked the Rams in that opener because it, there was no, it wasn't blitzing in that situation. Yep. It was exactly what they were capable of doing in that game. I mean, it looked like to me these are very evenly matched teams, but the Bills, I think, are the best team in football. We've seen it again now with this win, and we talked about it on Thursday's show the the idea that the Bills, the version of the Bills. Uh, that the front office and Sean McDermott cooked up together, we hadn't really seen it yet. And then all of a sudden they get the guys on the field for this huge regular season game, and you see it on every level, how they have all these playmakers and they're disciplined and well-coached, and they they make big plays in huge spots. Like Josh Allen, again, I don't know where, well, the QB. this is what the QB index exists for, at least in our digital sphere, um, where you put him ultimately in the best quarterbacks of the league. But, like, who do you trust more? Maybe Mahomes. But to make that big drive at the end, to put that pass on the money to Dawson Knox and then get the defensive stop, just a total team effort by the best team in football. I mean, I think about the drive where they went Rank 96 now. yards. You know, Dan sometimes is thinking power ranking Sunday night. This so is, you got to I gotta assume they're one, too. So. I also am who's thinking one? about my yeah. project on so Sunday. Uh, so, Sunday who's, night, so it who's takes up my entire Monday. Who's one? I, it's flip-flop between who's the two it? of who's them. It? Who is it? Allen. Okay, now how, it's how, Allen. Al, it was Mahomes coming I into this like game. I felt like Mahomes played so well tonight, it's, too, though. It's, not, cause it's hard to say that someone's <laughs> lesser. It's just that I think Allen came in. And th- think about the environment here. And I, I, That one minute 13 tr- touchdown drive where they went 96 yards. This was the loudest stadium I've heard all year, I think. To end the first half. Right. And that I mean, that was just moment. so resilient by the Bills. And then I think of Josh Allen on a key moment, leaping over a Chiefs defender for that major conversion. I mean, these are Stud. moments that Josh Allen does things that no one else can do. Right. So you, you brought up that touchdown drive at the end of the first half. They get it with 129. At that point, the score is 7-3 to three Chiefs. Uh, it was a lot of great defense being played in this game. Uh, turnovers. 
and he goes 98 yards, as you mentioned, in seven plays, leaves only 16 seconds, and the Chiefs somehow get a field goal back, just like uh, at the end of the AFC Championship or Divisional Round game there. But I thought it was interesting on that final drive. They get the ball with 531 to go. They go on a 12-play, 76-yard touchdown drive to take the lead. They relied on his legs. Like, that's where it's like, okay, let's stop messing around. Let's have Josh Allen run whenever possible. Some called runs, some scrambles. And for the most part, it worked because they were struggling in short yardage. But that throw to Knox and the two other touchdown throws before, I think shows the difference between Allen now and maybe two years ago. I mean, that was incredible insane ball placement to Knox. Like, there was not really a hole there to find, and he found it to Dawson Knox to take the lead. And having Knox back after he was knocked out last year, that's a big that's a big part of this offense, having him in there. He's a, a trusted red zone guy. Gabe Davis continues to kind of be a guy that you could trust more and more. He had a long touchdown in this game. More uh, than Isaiah McKenzie, at least. Right, and then you had Stephon Diggs, who, um, you know, he is a number one receiver in every way that you need, and he had 10 for 148 and a touchdown on 13 targets. So that's my takeaway from this game is it doesn't change how I feel about either team. And like everyone else, it's going to feel like we're cheated if they're not playing again in January. But you know how football is. You never know how injuries and other things can pop up before, before from now until then. But it's just fun to be able to enjoy these games with Nance and Romo. It was just a I, fun afternoon. I think it's also – it's more of a rarity this season because we were talking about this in the newsroom, and there's more to get into. But, like, there aren't six or seven teams like this in the NFL right now, dominant no. teams. No, this they're is sort of it in the AFC. And then there's a big – there's the Eagles, and then there's a, just a fall-off to mediocrity or just teams that are figuring out who they are. Although I know – and I know it's early to say this, but it might be bigger for the Bills to get this win because the AFC East – and I know we're getting to it, looks a little more challenging. You know, if they fell a game back of the Chiefs, where the AFC West maybe doesn't look as good as we expected, like they might need that cushion. I know last year it, it didn't end up mattering uh, too much. I, I don't know, though. I think the Bills have more answers than the Chiefs. I think they're a better team overall, the, as you said. Psychologically. Like they ran the ball better today. They have more playmakers on defense. I think psychologically, had the Bills lost, it's, it's like this is the team we can't get past. Now it's like you went into Kansas City where it seems like they're always having to go and they took care of business, and it's very possible they end up with a tied record at well, the end of the regular season. I also think, and I'm sure the Bills would back this up if they haven't actually been on the record saying it, that they lost that game in January and felt like they were the better team. Like, they should have yeah, been the yep. team uh, that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. They should have won it. So that had to be it had to be an incredible feeling uh, to get this win, and you're right. Going to January now, if they do see each other again, there will be no nerves existing in terms of, can we get over the hump? They, they know it. We're mm. better than these guys. We've, we showed it in October. We'll show it again, but can't get our, ahead of ourselves. But it, it's been a while since you, you could, like, look at two teams and be like, oh, we'll see, we'll see them again. It just feels like we, we will. And, and quick shout-out to a Wes favorite. Matt Milano has gone from, like, everyone's underrated linebacker to just maybe the best off-ball linebacker in football. He has been outrageous each and every week, and he was part of that last play, too, with Von Miller. There you go. All right, so. Ooh. Oh. Who locked it? West Bros. Oh, hey. <laughs> Redemption. Nick, he did the uh, the three-hour uncut version. <laughs> uh, but guess what? He got a W, and uh, hopefully, more importantly, wins and losses, he got the faith of his own brothers back, and the Cincinnati Zoo has some peace. I think he paralleled the Bills today on, on some level. <laughs> All right, speaking of the New York teams, let's start with the team that played at the Meadowlands today. 
Jackson in a shotgun set, calls signals, takes the snap, he's back to throw. Under pressure, hit by Thibodeau, ball comes loose, and the Giants scramble for it, it's still loose, and finally recovered by the Giants. At the 12-yard line, Kayvon Thibodeau gets his first career sack in big fashion. Boy, that's a close play there. <laughs> Bob Papa Crave Digger. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh, not another word. He's taking his knees out from under him. <laughs> Bob Papa with the call on WFAN. It is on in New York City or East Rutherford. Get over it. The big blue defense led by former Ravens coordinator Wink Martindale forced two turnovers by Lamar Jackson late in the fourth quarter. And you heard our friend, our bud, Kayvon Thibodeau, stepping up with the strip sack to seal it. The Ravens, another meltdown late, and the Giants, another victory in which they hang around, they enter as an underdog, and then all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter, and a team has to make a play, and guess who makes the play? The Brian Dable team makes the play. And I, I said it to you, Greggy, it's become an every week thing that you look up at the monitors in the newsroom after these early window games, and there's Brian Dable running off the sideline <laughs> to like That's greet true. and celebrate with his team and, and do the handshake with head coaches. And then you see him pumping his fist as he's looking to the crowd, uh, you know, supporters, whether it's family or friends or fans or whatever. There is, there is something cooking here with the Giants. There absolutely is, and this was the case where – a team, and I'll start like on the defensive side of the ball here because this is a team we talked about. Their defense had the potential to be one of the worst in the league entering the year, uh, but they're so, like everything else with the Giants, so well coached, and their ability to keep Lamar Jackson from beating them with the big play, beating them with huge plays with his legs, getting no big, like Devin DuVernay bomb down the field, these type of plays that have marked the Baltimore offense, they were held in line, and then when the game was on the line, they made big plays and made Lamar look like Clark Kent. Right. That uh that interception that Lamar Jackson threw in the fourth quarter is is a surprise. And yet on some level with this Ravens team, I think if you're a Ravens fan right now, you, you almost felt it coming. Because there was a crazy stat out there. They were they were thirty one and two in the fourth quarter since the Lamar era started with a 10-point lead. They're 2-3 and three this year. Now, on some level, it's impressive. They've had a 10-point lead in five games, and they've blown it three times. You know, twice 17-point leads, this time a 10-point lead. Like, neither side can, ma- you know, making a big play. It, but I'm surprised, Dan, because they had a running game working today. Like, what what do you think it was? Because you look at – it's another game where you look at the Giants' box score and the leading receiver is Daniel Bellinger with 38 yards, and you're like, how is this happening? No, you are, if you're a Ravens fan, and uh, apologies to you guys that are listening to this right now, and I respect you for listening to our podcast, because this has to be super, super frustrating. Team stats here. The Ravens put up 406 yards. The Giants had just 238. The Ravens what? held Sa- Saquon Barkley to under four yards a carry, and he didn't have that type of ridiculous uh, big game that has marked many of these Giants' wins to start the season. Um, they did what they wanted on the ground. They averaged almost nine yards per carry on the ground in this game. Um, but, again, there's just something about this team, and Daniel Jones deserves credit as well. He doesn't throw an interception in this game. They lose one fumble. It's a Jones fumble, which has obviously been a bugaboo for him, but that was at the end of the first half. On the last play of the half, it didn't mean anything. So I think that's a big difference here, too. You have the defense has taken 
three steps up from what we expected. You have Daniel Jones playing cleaner football, and then you have a much improved offensive line with Saquon Barkley healthy. You add it up, and I'm still surprised it's five and one, but at a certain point, we have to be two things, Mark. We need to stop being surprised when the Giants win close games because especially in this landscape with so many teams that are so close to each other, good coaching and smart football down the stretch matters. And number two, like me, I'm going to take an L on this. And when I think about the power rankings, like you can't give the Ravens the benefit of the doubt anymore because when it happens three times now yeah. in six weeks, there's a problem with their ability to close games. Yeah, they can't close. And I, th- I think the Wink Martindale factor mattered here. Again, like what is football other than self-scouting and scouting? And this is someone that knows Lamar Jackson better than ever. He didn't know, though, that he was going to fumble at the 13-yard line to give the Giants that short field. I mean, that the difference here to me is is Lamar Jackson mistakes at the end. And we've seen this in other games. It's not it, it doesn't characterize his career entirely, but there just seem to be high profile Lamar Jackson mistakes. Um, it's happened this season. It's been the Ravens defensive issues, too, with some of these collapses. But today it's like the Giants in the right place at the right time. Brian Dayball is not just the coach of the year because of what he's doing technically. It's like the Giants feel a completely different um, core energy source than they have in our, during our entire run of this podcast. And I think that people look to the Packers win and said, well, that's a lot It's a lot to do with Green Bay being out of sorts. Okay, well, they are out of sorts. We, we're looking at Green Bay differently. But no one really looked at this game and said the Ravens are going to stumble against the Giants. They've done it. I don't care. Five and one in 2022 is five and one. What right. is it? What are the, any well, of these teams? I feel like, like this is fine. I feel like their week one game against the Titans was the biggest like week one game because just the feeling that they got from coming all the way back at the end of that game and winning it the way that they won it gave them something where the next week, by the way, they were tied with the Panthers like late in the fourth quarter. They have the feeling they can go win that game. And then these last two weeks with these comebacks, there, it's, there's something that the numbers can't measure. And yes, that doesn't like carry over from year to year necessarily, but I do believe that it can carry over for a year and it's happening for this Giants team. Yeah. And the Ravens will, when they look at the tape and it's not going to be easy, they'll look at the first half when they outgain New York 256 to 90, uh, but went to the tunnel up 10, seven, even Justin Tucker missed Mm. the field goal. Uh, So everything seems to be breaking New York's way right now, including the schedule because next week they go to Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville is not, the pushover they once were, but it'll be interesting to see the Giants now with a lot of hype going to play a team where they're going to be the favorite on the road. Another test for the day. Oh, I locked up the Ravens. No, I'm L- sorry to hear that. Let's it not be said that I'm some type of New York homer. I was not so much in my mind, like that was not so much doubting the Giants. It was believing in the Ravens, but I have to recalibrate that Baltimore situation. I was surprised because I felt like you've been a, uh... Getting on me for being an anti-Giants well, you, guy, you, you and know, I was, and I forty-two and forty-six. Also, you, you went out, you did an escape hatch. I on also this lock, locked Rick. up the the Giants. I mean, uh, the Ravens, and then jumped out of it. Smart. We'll see if I end up being right. That's a teaser for your Sunday well night football recap. He's a well, pro. The nation baby. is gripped to discover what happens on that front. <laughs> All right. Well, there's one team from New York. Those little town blues. They are melting <laughs> away. Let's make a brand new start of it. Let's head to Lambeau. Zach Wilson takes the snap. Counter handoff. Up the middle goes Breesaw. He's at the 30. At the 25-20. Right side, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! A little counter inside handoff to Brees Hall, who finds some Jet fans in the crowd and does a Jets Lambeau leap. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bongos are back. <laughs> 
I think the Jets are going to own the bongos. Operation Bongo. <laughs> Seems fair. The Jets doing a Lambo leap into a group of Jets fans in that end zone. Unbelievable. The Jets are good? Maybe. I think so. Rookie of the Year candidate Brees Hall ran for 116 yards, including that 34-yard touchdown, while Quinnen Williams and a relentless Woo. pass rush sacked Aaron Rodgers four times and really gave him a beating. In the end, it was a 27-10 victory over the Packers. Yes, at Lambeau Field, the Jets have won three straight. They're 3-0 on the road. You know, had Buffalo lost today, they would have been tied for first in the AFC oh. East, but they're right behind the Bills. And this had to be a great feeling, boys, for um, Mike LaFleur, the uh, brother of Matt LaFleur, Green Bay Packers coach, the Jets offensive coordinator, really had his way um, with the de the Green Bay defense uh, as this game really started to take on form in the second half. Uh, they outrushed Green Bay, the Jets did, 179-60 to 60 on a day that Zach Wilson uh, threw for just 110 yards. So... Wow. Here are the Jets. Uh, they break a three-all tie uh, with two touchdowns in the span of less than two and a half minutes in the third quarter, and they have this they have this juice to them. This Jets offense has juice, but I think the story of this game, boys, to me was the defense. Uh, the Jets defense with that pass rush, and Quinnen Williams, like I said, he has superstar-type potential now that he's starting to act on. With that secondary, with Sauce Gardner leading that end of things, they were swarming a... Green Bay attack that just didn't look alive again. Mm. I, I totally enjoyed watching this next to you. Um, it's I you have Thank never you. really heard you um, <laughs> as spirited about the Jets, not just like trying to salvage a, a mediocre Jets team into something they're not, but like there's actually a core of wonderful young players on this team and someone like Quinn and Williams who, you know, up and down starting to be unlocked by Robert Sala the same way that he did with Niners players up and down the roster in San Francisco. And every time I looked up, the Jets were essentially taking the spirit out of the Packers and just shutting them down. And you'd, I have never seen a Jets performance like that on that front. I mean, the Packers have a ton of issues, but they, they right away, I mean, three straight punts, a missed field goal, another punt, a fumble and downs for Green Bay. Their defense is a difference-making defense right now. He, he was sacked four times and, and hit nine times. And those just aren't numbers you're used to seeing out of a, a Packers team. Number one, their offensive line is usually just better and, Elton Jenkins, who's had a great career so far, he's a young player, came off a torn ACL. It hasn't been the same this year. But also Rodgers is so good getting rid of the ball, you know, and not taking those hits. Even if he holds it longer than, you know, some purists want it, he always avoids getting hit. And he just doesn't seem like he can avoid it these days. And that's happening a lot of times when you play this Jets defense. Yeah, and and from the very start of this game, he you could see him holding his thumb, shaking his hand. Mm. And that is something to keep an eye on because there were some throws in this game where it was vintage Rodgers, and it's like, oh, there's only a handful of guys that can make that throw. But there was one, there was a deep cross at one point, Romeo Dobbs, that was underthrown. He kind of dirted the throw. And again, like every whenever he's idle, he had his hand in the hand warmer, shaking it out, and you're just wondering, you know, how that's feeling right now. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's become, it's new on our radar here um, as a trope alert. Um, when a team, whether it's offensively or defensively, feels like they need to make a change midstream to not be so, you know, dense, uh, listening to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> All of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get too specific. Um, and 
I'm not uh, not attacking anything. I just think that based on how we've played the last two weeks, I think it's going to be in our best interest to simplify things uh, for everybody, for the line, for the backs, for the receivers, um, especially with Cobby's injury. Um, just simplify some things and and. Uh, Maybe that'll help us get back on track. The, the only other person saying this right now is his former offensive coordinator, Nate Hackett, out in Denver. Right. So we've got problems. I mean, when's the last time or how often is it happening that you look at a Packers team that went four of 16 on third down um, and looked like it, and then one of four, one of four times on fourth down? I mean, they're shut down. Or a team led by, uh, you know, the reigning two-time MVP with uh, in an offense he's been in for four years saying we need to simplify. Right. That's four something. yards per play. And Cobb that he mentioned, by the way, Randall Cobb looks like right. he has a high ankle sprain and will miss some time. Yeah. That's so, the initial reporting. Green Bay does not look right on offense. The defense we've been talking about all season, uh, they got a score, uh, the Rodgers touchdown pass to Lazard that cut cuts it to 17-10. Uh, in the second half, and you're thinking, uh-oh, look out, as a Jets fan. And what do they do? The Jets march right down the field, and they get that touchdown to go up 24-10. They never then get a stop on, on fourth down in the next ensuing Green Bay possession, and it was over. It was almost like as the game was winding down, It was, I think every Jets fan, and I talked about it on Thursday's show, you know, this game could go one of two ways. Green Bay can get right and blow you out, or you could find yourself in a close game. I did not imagine the Jets were going to – blow out the Packers, and that, but that's kind of what happened. And uh, you talk about the Lambeau leap, the jet leap there. Uh, at, after the game, you have Sauce Gardner walking around the stadium wearing the cheese head. Uh, Lazard reportedly knocked it off his head in frustration. Uh, and this is just like all Jets have some swag, and I think it was Robert Saul that's calling them the baby Jets, Ooh. which is something I think you're going to start hearing uh, because this is a young, talented roster. Still don't trust the quarterback. But there's a lot to like, especially in a very wide-open AFC. Why not the Jets? Yeah, it's crazy that Zach Wilson having 110 yards is bar- yeah. barely makes a blip. Uh, Brees Hall, like his scrimmage yards through through this time, this baby Jets thing I think uh, is going to catch on. And Sauce, like I just love the the feeling he has given that defense. He seems like a leader right, off, right from the jump. He's a dude. And, uh, Mark, you were a dude. All right. Because you had, oh. you were the only Jet uh, mm. supporter in terms of the picks from the NFL media gang. And after the game, the, the Jets and their social team, right, we're only rocking with Mark Sessler. And uh, a nice little callback to the best part of, uh, what is the Chappelle? Half-baked. Half-baked. <laughs> uh, you're cool. You're cool. Thank you. You're cool. I'm out. Uh, you're the you're cool old guy with your thumb up. That's great. I, I might have been half-baked when I made that pick, but it, ter- it certainly uh, came out looking quite good on the other side. Yeah, before we get He's like a top two- 10 football insider. That's where right. we get too many annoying tweets. It's like, F him, F him, F him. You're cool. Uh, that's right. I had it reversed. Just, Thank you. Just throw on that out Thank there. you for that. And uh, that is, that's the move, by the way. And I know we talked about this, we Mark. We did, yeah. You always be the one person picking against it. Because now these social teams are going to highlight that. No one cares if you pick with everyone else. No. Do we have a friend in the Jets social department? Because you did that with the Giants, too. You probably was the only person to pick the Giants. I don't know. I, I, I was the Giants tweet, by the way. I don't know. I, I was the it's only person to pick the, the Jets, Jets are, and Giants. The Jets are Sessler fans. It's, it's just like the Giants are like, oh, we're, we're above such things. We won't point out that individual. Oh, that rapscallion. Says he made it. Sessler. <laughs> I mean, how about that guy? Sessler? Who is that guy? Who is that guy? 
with a giant. Now it makes sense because we're Mark- a Tiffany franchise. <laughs> we would never highlight. Not that. Uh, oh, that no, scallion. Or maybe they saw the Jets do it and thought they just we just got beat to the punch. There, uh, there, there seems to be. I, I don't know how much. Dan is truly enjoying the G-Men, you know, it's sharing this the New York shine here. It's it's something you keep missing on. It's fine. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. The, I've been waiting for so long for the Jets to be a fun team to watch and to follow on this podcast, and they're real, and I can't wait to see what happens next. I was wondering why Mark was enjoying this game more than, like, any game all season, and now it makes sense. He knew, like, that it social connects. pop was coming. I mean, when I picked the game, yeah. I knew what was yeah, going to happen, so fair. I was just sort of, like, watching right. it happen as I prophesied. Mark likes to have, like, I these I feel moments. power. Yeah. Yeah, I like to, you, well, you unlike like, anyone else on the show, I, was I alone say, you, like to have give, my give, little spotlight you'll moments. You give Greg and I a lot of grief for, like, seeking the spotlight. No, I don't. You're not much different, Mark. You're just like us. I, I probably am. <laughs> Let's move probably. on and check in with another frisky team that might be making a turn onto Spicy Lane. Bird comes in the orbit from left to right. Mariota looks. Now going to loop. And Kyle Pitts caught it. Who? Touchdown. Who's that? On U.S. soil, number eight has a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Glad that's over. West Durham, WZGC. We were there uh, on foreign soil when Kyle Pitts had his first career touchdown last year against the Jets, in fact. Uh, but there haven't been any touchdowns since for the tight end, who once again didn't have a big game. But guess what? None of the receivers in, on Atlanta are going to have big games because they don't pass the ball a lot. But that doesn't mean they can't win. As we saw again today, because Mar- Marcus Mariota threw 14 touch uh, 14 passes, but two touchdown passes, and a 28-14 win over the Niners in Atlanta. Greggy, these dirty birds, they're interesting. I mean, they are dirty. That's what Kyle Pitts was doing after that touchdown, the dirty bird. And it reminds me, maybe not even of late 90s football, more like 1980s football. They out 49ered. The Niners. I mean, to run it like that and the defense that the 49ers uh, is known for ultimately wasn't there. Like they were missing their starting defensive line. They had some other players go in and out during the game. And I don't think the Falcons were afraid. And when this game was taken was really uh, in the late second quarter when they just kept handing the ball uh, to Caleb Huntley and he just kept running through them. Mariota was only six for 50 on the ground with a rushing touchdown, but it felt like each one of those six rushes were design runs and they were all killer. Tyler Algier gets 51 yards too. And they just kind of did the 49ers style of play and they did it better. And they forced three turnovers too on defense that, that helped them out. But I was just like impressed. And I, I think they're blowing past spicy. I don't care if Chick-fil-A is, I don't care. If, uh, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Give them some spicy. Did you say they're blowing past? Are they the best team in the league? Where are we yeah, at? They're going from past spicy to frisky. I mean, they're past fri- frisky. They're to spicy. I don't know what Listen, how excited he is. I know. Well, I mean, but here's the sense thing. Together. You made a great point because <laughs> I thought they did this two weeks ago. And be- they nearly beat the Bucks a week ago. They nearly beat the Saints in week one. A lot of things that go like this. This game was absent of the Marcus Mariota killer turnover, which has pockmarked some of their losses. But in this one, 
It reminds me of what they did against Cleveland two weeks ago where they said, "We're gonna. you think you're going to beat us with the run? We're just going to go do it right to you. And they they were the dominant, more physical team in this. And they show no fear. And I, I think if we talk about the they Giants. They stopped the run, too. That's a good point. Right. The, the, I looked up at one point, and the, and the Niners had like 30 yards rushing in the first half. So they're taken out of their system. They're missing half their defense. So I think when these guys have a rematch, it's going to look different. But the Falcons, to me, if we talk about Brian Dayball being a good coach. Wait, a rematch? You predicting a, a playoff rematch? I like that. No, not. I, I, probably not a rematch. But you're right. Down the road, if they ever would love it. to meet again. I would love it. I would love but it. I think Arthur Smith has like, been overlooked as a very good head coach who has had a lot of injuries, got a weird roster on offense. Since and he's I, taken absolutely. over. Absolutely. There, there were little elements of it last year. There have been a lot of elements this year, and today was sort of like the breakout game. Um, I think it's similar to what's going on in the AFC with a team like the Jets. Like you mentioned that they nearly beat the Bucs. They nearly beat the Saints. But it's like, who are the Bucs? Who are the Saints? Like, who are these teams that we Everyone's expected in the middle. them right. to be big-time teams? So if there's these teams that were at the bottom of uh, the standings or teams that were seen as afterthoughts entering the year, like the Jets, like the Falcons, man, if they start gaining some confidence and they're a young team with some players and a quarterback in Marcus Mariota who's seen a lot, who's been through a lot, and now has better perspective. I remember Steve Weiss, who you know covers the Falcons uh, for the team, um, talking to him before the season, and he was like, yeah, there's a lot of good vibes around Mariota because he, in this opportunity as a starter, it's so different than when he was in Tennessee and everything was given to him. Uh, he's so, appreciating I mean, it more, and he's ready to be that guy. Yeah, he also has, I think, come close at times to testing the concept of putting Desmond Ritter in there because there have been moments, quarters in a row, where he's been well, in this, really inconsistent. This was the perfect Mariota game because – he only threw the ball 14 times. He didn't have an incompletion until 10 minutes left in the game. He finishes 13 for 14. There were a couple good throws in there, but for the most part, they were open receivers and short throws, and uh, that's that's perfect for him. On the 49ers side... Wait, one more thing, though. Oh, wait. Like, what they want to do is run the ball. They sure. want yeah. their quarterback to be mobile and make plays. He fits really well. He's never going to be right. the superstar the Titans perceived him to be 10 years ago. No. But I think he's going to be imperfect. But I think he's a good fit for what Smith wants to do. I'd be surprised if they turned. No, I don't think they will in, for a long time. And, and Nick Wesling, you know, said uh, he, he wishes Chris was here. And he knows Chris is watching, watching his guy, Mariota, saying, I told you so. Like, on a day where Jameis Winston was benched, Chris would be sitting here in this never-ending Mariota Winston <laughs> thing that has no purpose to it and the no Cold winner War that no one um, else is paying attention. Would to. be would be back on his side. The 49ers uh, quickly lost Mooney Ward, Charvarius Ward in this game. He wants to be called Mooney, by the way. Okay, and I think he's sure. playing like an All-Pro, so we got to listen to him. Sure, um, well, I think we should listen to him even if he was a bad player. That's, that's, like that's his personal wish. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, Mooney Ward and Mike McGlinchey. So those are two more. They're starting right tackle. Stack it up. Two more injuries. I read an article uh, after the game from a 49ers source, and they went through all the injuries. There's, a, I counted 11 starters. I mean, that's. That's a lot. 11 starters is is getting to a totally preposterous scenario. Now, most of them will be back this year, almost all of them, uh, but 11 starters out right now. There was a drive in this game quickly uh, that uh, pointed out how Sh- Mike Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, really Shanahan, this is his stat, are 0-26 when trailing by four points after three quarters uh, in the Shanahan era. They don't have hmm. a single comeback hmm. trading by four. Kyle here's- Shanahan, just Kyle to be Shanahan. clear. Kyle okay. not Mike. Because, I mean, their careers didn't totally cross. But, no, yeah. Kyle Shanahan. There was a 16-play, 8-minute 49ers drive 
and the score was 28 to 14 in the 14 or in the fourth quarter. Eight minutes, 16 plays. They only reached the the 19 yard line, and they turned it over on down. So that's sort of like uh, a proof of the the cliche. Like they're not built to play from behind. I think the 49ers are kind of the ultimate not built to play from behind team. That seems like a problem, as it was today. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let us move now to Miami. Miami, where the Dolphins uh, look to avoid a three-game losing streak after a three-game winning streak to start their season, but there were the Vikings. Miami. 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 Paul Allen, KFAN. He's an all-star, that Paul Allen. As is Dalvin Cook, his 53-yard touchdown rush. Um, salvaged what was other an otherwise pedestrian day for the uh, star running back. And it also iced a 24-16 win for the Vikings, who improved to 5-1. and one. And, yes, the Dolphins, after a three-game winning streak, starting 3-0, and have now gone 0-3, so they fall to 500. The Dolphins have their issues at quarterback. But the Vikings are finding ways to win and really not lose, which happens too often with this franchise. I mean, they really tested the limits of um, almost losing today. I mean, we talk about the Vikings as a streaky offense, and I cannot find a game where that was more true. Kirk Cousins, um, on their two touchdown drives before 
that Dalvin Cook uh, march, which came off a, a critically um, terrible Jalen Waddle fumble for the Dolphins. There were a lot mm. of mistakes on the Dolphins' offense today. But the Vikings before that, their first two touchdowns on his cousins was 11 for 11. On every other drive, they went three and out, essentially. I mean, they had, like, there were, I, I'm trying to count up how many drives there were between these two teams, um, about a billion and six. And there were I think they had punts. 10 three and outs, I just counted. Yeah. In no, one game, in one, one and, team. And it was awful. It looked that way. They just could not. You know, what, you know one thing that Miami does have? Like, you're not a lot of weather advantages, but we've seen this over and over. The heat down there, it was like they Still, literally, it yeah. completely, it completely, I think, changed the Vikings out of the gate. Um, it was... Dolphins issues and mistakes, though, that I think really cost Miami, and they're going to be so frustrated looking back on this because early on, Jalen Waddell essentially had a bobbled pass from Skylar Thompson that ended up in a Harrison Smith touchdown, which um, killed a good, a good, potentially good drive. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in for Thompson, who had a, hurt his thumb, and Teddy looked like he was simply unprepared to be in there for a big chunk of this until they got a little unhinged. He had a terrible interception. Uh, he was lucky he wasn't picked pick six by Patrick Peterson on, on what would have been his second interception. They just had a lot of uh, terrible like offensive line penalties. There was a bad intentional grounding that ended a drive. I mean, Teddy, to me, until the end, was just a very discombobulated individual in this game. Mm. And it's too many quarterback changes. It's just too much going on. It's been the fourth game in a row where they've had a quarterback they switch. They also doubled them almost in yardage, though, the the Dolphins. What what a bizarre but that's, game. But that's because the Vikings are going three and out literally like the entire I mean, game until to, these to other To put that in perspective, the, the Vikings had as many three and outs in this game as about half the league had drives in their respective games today. Like, that could be an entire game having 10 three and out. So they kept getting the ball back and eventually they hit, but it's kind of a perfect Vikings win, uh, a one score game. Ultimately the four straight one score uh, win. And just like a game that you're like, huh? Like, I know you said that like there aren't great teams, Dan, they feel like such a strange five right. and one. They feel like one of those teams in the middle, but they're five and one. Yeah. They're, they're an example of a team that has talent and has playmakers and, you know, they're reinvigorated with a new coach and they're taking care of business because there's a lot of teams that aren't figuring things out. It's interesting to me on the Miami side, obviously that, yes, the quarterback carousel is, is a tough situation, but they're still getting production last week against the jets. They got a hundred yards and in pass interference calls this year. The, the production was back for Hill and Waddle, like nearly 300 yards or over 300 yards between them. But the points just aren't there. Um, just tough situation for my and there was, down, down there starting tackles too. Toronto well, that, Armstead that mattered was a lot because on, there was an opening drive where they they kept moving the ball. It was a 47 yard drive that ended up with nothing but like there's 40 yards of penalties, mm. four killer penalties on offensive linemen who are replacing starting linemen. So I think just like from the Mike McDaniel front, he learned over the last three or four weeks like. You know, it's nice that six touchdown performance against the Ravens, but suddenly you get injuries, quarterback problems, you're feels losing like your left tackle. Ago. Right, I that know. feels like seven years the ago. The NFL at this point. season is so long that they were three and zero, and it just feels so different. And and it's so long, so I know I shouldn't put too much into it. But the Vikings are two games up and have the tiebreak with a win over the Packers. That's it's not insignificant. It's yeah. something. It's like, do you want to trust the Vikings? <laughs> no, I don't. But I mean, that's something. But as messy as the Packers have been, oh, we have a lock. Someone did trust the Vikings. Great. Great digger. It wasn't Smart. exactly how I envisioned it, especially when I saw Teddy Bridgewater coming into the game, but Vikings get the job done. You can trust them, I think. All right. We'll see. Many of Vikings fans have thought that before. I would see how much you can trust the Vikings. Like, just want to let you know. It was not – it was kind of – All right. Let's get into another thriller down at the Superdome.
Burrow in the gun, Mixon to his left. Joe drops back to throw. His pass caught by Chase at the 50. Runs through an arm tackle. Nice. Down there the he is. Oh, He's going to take it to the oh. house. Jamar Chase, a 60-yard oh. touchdown. Oh. And the Bengals have the lead with 1.57 to go. Unbelievable. That is what has been missing for Cincinnati. Dan Horde and Dave Lapham to call WCKY. Joe Burrow passed for three touchdowns, ran for another, and yes, had that big hookup, the second of the game with Jamar Chase uh, to secure a 30-26 to win over the Saints. A nice comeback now. We welcome in uh, the pipe, Nick Shook. The on pipe. On Thursday's show, Pipe, talked about, like, it's kind of on the head coach and, and the brain trust there to pop the hood on this offense and find a way to get the big play element of Jamar Chase back. Well, they found a way, and it, it won them a game. Yeah, maybe they just needed a trip to New Orleans, you know, where Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase used to throw it all over the yard in the national championship game for the LSU Tigers. He, he certainly sh- Burrow like showed this. up in the jersey, uh, the LSU yeah. uh, jersey of Jamar Chase and then had a huge game. Maybe he should keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. Seven catches for 132 for Jamar Chase, including that 60-yard touchdown. You know, more than anything, it, it wasn't even so much the big play for this offense. It was the fact that they were able to continuously convert, especially in the second half. They had uh, four possessions, three of them uh, ended up in points, uh, field goal, field goal, touchdown. And, and it was the drive before the touchdown that really mattered the most because, again, it was third and six, third and seven, where Burrow would be under pressure and dump it off and just get enough past the sticks. T. Higgins made a nice catch, got him in field goal range, Whether two sacks, still was able to stay within Evan McPherson's range. He hits that field goal. And then the biggest turning point the entire day, and really I think the story of this game beyond the Bengals being able to, to produce that big play, is the Saints, who hadn't had a three and out since their opening drive, which they got back because Trent Taylor fumbled the punt. They go three and out in the worst possible situation. Mm. They get two yard or two runs for three yards each, incomplete pass. You got to punt it away. A mm. team that had dominated time and possession to that point, they only ended up with like a five-minute advantage. But they, you know, they were keeping it on the ground all day and really controlling the game. They couldn't do it in the biggest moment. Gave Joe Burrow that opening. If we know anything about Joe Burrow through the short time he's been in the NFL, he's going to take advantage, and it's going to be Jamar Chase who makes the play. So it was a perfect little capper to what they've, you know, their history in Louisiana with the, with LSU and everything else. I'm looking forward to watching this game. It's such a strange one. I mean, the, the Saints have to be killing themselves that they rush for 228 on the ground, and it's not one of those like 50 for 228. It's like only 34 carries. Everyone who ran the ball ran well for them. They were down their top four wide receivers in this game. Uh, the Saints, we should be pointed out. Jameis Winston was essentially benched for this game. He was active, but he didn't start. It was Andy Dalton, which to me is like a soft benching. Let's see what happens. Uh, and Marshawn Lattimore, their top cornerback, is out for this game. And yet they still were were in position to win. Like, what what is happening with this defense, Shook? And, like, how much was Honey Badger in the safety position a problem? Because I follow a lot of Saints Twitter they are not happy with what's happening with Honey Badger this season. And he made a bad angle on that chase touchdown. And Marcus May has been up and down. And that was kind of the identity to their team a year ago. They, they let Marcus Williams walk. And people are missing uh, that safety duo who's now given up a lot of big plays in New Orleans. I think it's a kind of a bad fit. Uh, I mean, not, not the worst fit, but not a fit like it was in Kansas City for him. I don't think it's necessarily uh, a, a condemnation of where you know, Matthew is as a player. I just think that the fit in their scheme is not quite as good. I mean, they still were pretty effective in the first half. You know, they, they built themselves a, a bit of an advantage. It was, you know, 20 to 14 going into halftime and it felt like the Bengals, they just weren't quite getting on track. Yeah. They had two touchdowns on the board, but it wasn't just there. And we kind of seen that from the Bengals throughout this season. So it was like, okay, this is a saints defense that should be able to stand up. And then the fact that their offense 
fails to put more than six points on the board in the second half, and then they crumble. You know, it's not like they were on the field for a ton of time in the second half, but these were all long possessions by each team. I think uh, the the Bengals in the second half had a drive of 13 plays, another drive of seven plays, and they did that one for 60. That was three of their four second half possessions. So they were out there and tasked with keeping this offense bottled up while their gotcha. offense wasn't necessarily continuing to do what they needed to do, and that, it ended up hurting them. And we mentioned Winston. He hasn't played for three games now with the back and ankle injuries. He was in uniform in this game. Here's what Dennis Allen had to say, the Saints coach, after the game. Uh, he's not 100% healthy. Look, we got a Thursday night game. Let's, 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 let's get into the uh, study on that, and we'll see, we'll see where he's at, um, and then we'll go from there. Uh, Andy Dalton also said, uh, Mark, I'm going to let D.A., Dennis Allen, handle that whole situation, uh, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, goes. he could be talking about the district attorney's office, but I'm assuming it's the coach. Uh, <laughs> Shook, question for you, because we just talked about Baltimore melting down today. Uh, that's been their characteristic with these big leads. Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh, Cleveland's Cleveland. Do you trust the Bengals as the best team in this division going forward? Mm. Big picture, Cecil. Uh, I mean, that's going to be tough when you talk about the fact that the Ravens just beat the Bengals last week, but it was a close one. I think long-term, yes. I, I'm not confident in anybody in this division. I'm still most confident in the Bengals and the Ravens, but the Ravens, that's become their MO is to blow those leads. Well, so these, these two divisions, by the, the way, like you know, including the Saints, NFC South, are kind of typical of the NFL right now. There's no winning record in either division. So on one hand, like two and four feels dark for the Saints. On the other, they're only one out of out of first, and like the the Bengals are tied for first at three and three. Good job, NFL. That's what you wanted. Good job, our league. All right, now our Browns beat reporter. It's not the most glamorous job, but that's what Shook is, and he's going to be a pro once again. I can feel it. To Cleveland. The tight end Henry now in motion left. Oh, Zappy my. with a play fake and a deep drop. Throws it near side wide open. Henry at the 15 to the 10 to the five. Waltzing into the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. I need four Advil, because I'm starting to get the fever again. <laughs> oh, he always delivers. He's not a Gatorade bottle. Make him a Pepsi or he something. He wishes he was a Gatorade bottle. He's a Powerade bottle. <laughs> Bob Sochi and Scott Zolak with the call WBZ. Bailey Zappi. Have a day, kid. The rookie threw for 309 yards and two touchdowns. And Bill Belichick gets his 324th win, tying George Hallis for second on the NFL's career list. Watch out, Don Shula. Uh, final score, yes, 38-15. Pats over Browns. Shook, this one seemed pretty ugly uh, on the Cleveland side, but let's start with the Patriots, who uh, week by week are figuring it out and look like a team that is going to make noise in the AFC. You know, last week, the Patriots got a shutout win, and there was zappy fever and everything, but I felt like that defense did as much to win that game than, than Zappy, you know, just as much as Zappy did this week, Bailey Zappy won this game for them. Now do the Browns defense have some breakdowns? Yeah, but he found guys consistently at a variety of levels in the field in different situations, completing key third downs. I, they, the only one third down conversion from the Patriots that really like jumped out to me as almost being insulting to the Browns was Ramondre Stevenson's touchdown run on third and 10. Cause it's like, well, they're running on third and 10. That, that takes some gall, but they trust their, you know, Ramondre Stevenson in the rushing attack. But Bailey Zappi, over 300 yards passing, just connecting with a number of targets. Some guys really helped him out. Devontae Parker had a great catch down the sideline. He hooked up with Jacoby Myers a variety of times. Hunter Henry had the touchdown. We look down the list here. You got 
nine, eight, nine different guys who had receptions. Well, Zappy, I guess, had one on, according to this because it was a batted pass. Zappy. So it was like, you know, seven, <laughs> eight guys who had receptions. All yeah, right. Zappy. I mean, like, it, he had a great game. He had a great game. And we talk about quarterback long term there now. I give it a little bit now. Like, oh, you know, boy. Dallas, there's. There shouldn't be a dis, uh, controversy in Dallas, but maybe in New England. He's gotten he's played pretty well. He's gotten today. much better each week, which is a great sign. I I have a hard time believing they would uh, sit Jones when he's healthy, but he might not be all the way back. You're right. Like he got to his second and third read on that Tyquan Thornton touchdown. Tyquan Thornton, who was a, a rookie second round pick, speedster, it came off IR a couple weeks ago. I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. He had a rushing touchdown today too. He had a couple of different red zone threats. I just thought this was a coaching game. Yes, Zappy played well, but guys are open. Like there were so many Patriots guys open this year. I didn't see a lot of Browns guys open in this game. Like even the plays that Jacoby Brissett made and the receivers made was in tight coverage. And you kind of compare that and you think about coaching. Then you think about the other side and you think about Joe Woods having kind of no answer uh, with a lot of talent uh, and wide open guys and confusion. And you, you flip the other side and it's like the Patriots are coaching up these rookie defensive back Marcus Jones and Jack Jones. They've got two rookie cornerbacks starting, uh, playing starting snaps, playing great. And like, I, to me, it felt like a, a very much a coaching win, Nick Shook. <laughs> yeah, Greg, you know, I think that statistically the Patriots defense doesn't stand out as a great one. But if you watch them on a week-by-week basis, they play better than the numbers good, yeah. indicate. Yes, they're very good. You need to start paying attention football world to the Patriots defense because they're really coming together, of course, under, under the direction of Bill Belichick. And then on the flip side of the coin, like you said, Joe Woods, another bad performance from this defense. I'm getting some feeling here in Cleveland that, people are going to be wanting some heads to roll potentially, which is not good at this time if it's week six, but they're going to want jobs on the line. Like it, it, they're, they're disgusted with this. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, and it's time to create a scapegoat. If you're Kevin Stefanski, probably because I think that Joe Woods, the defense, I know there were moments, stretches of time a year ago where they looked competent, but this defense seems to me to have week by week breakdowns and I would just flip it around because Dan's big thing all week was like, run Nick Chubb until the earth ends. He had 12 rushes for 56 yards. I know that's nice. New England did a nice job against the Lions with, against the run a week ago. They did it again. Could Cleveland just not get into their game script here? Well, they struggled to run the ball on first down, but then the most, I think the worst offense, I thought today was Kevin Stefanski's worst called game of his career with the Browns. And oh, the oh how about the 45 was, to seven game a year ago against Bill Belichick? Uh -oh. this, no, no, this is <laughs> worse. Right. Okay. This is worse it's because communal, they were within striking distance. <laughs> they were within striking distance and you're down 11 points early third quarter. You're facing the 22nd ranked rushing defense. You have Nick Chubb and you line up Jacoby Brissett, drop him back to throw on three straight downs and punt the ball. I mean, it happened over and over again. They abandoned mm. the run They're for not no listening. reason with a lot of time left. Hmm. You know who wouldn't do that? Uh, one of the best offensive play callers in the league right now. Dan Matt, Hansis. Matt oh. Patricia. Oh, right, I mean, right, when right. you want to develop an offense <laughs> with, like, young players, Bailey Zappi and Cole Strange and Thornton, you just go to an offensive mind like Matt Patricia. No, we That's, can't do this. Seriously, no. though. That ain't right, dude. I, I, we can't we can't give Matt Patricia a collection of roundhouse kicks and uppercuts all through the I'm summer. I'm making fun of myself. He's See, a I fool, think people understand. And then mock his success. That's the now. point. I'm not mocking his How success. How about we just say Matt Patricia and that coaching staff is doing great? I'm 
trying to mock I myself. Know, I, I mean, I'm mocking how wrong we were because if, I'm mocking the mocking. Right. If Mc, if McDaniel's of the mocking called this game, we would be saying like, what an amazing job McDaniel's is doing with Zappy. And there were a couple of really great play calls. You mentioned the third and ten uh, to Ramondre Stevenson. You know where they run it. I think they're running for first down there. That's not a give up down. And then the bigger one was third and one late in the game. You just expect them to power up the middle. And then they call the play action. And that's where I blame Joe Woods. They call the play action. That's the long touchdown pass to Henry. They're, they're calling an aggressive game plan with Bailup Zappi. But this is where I blame coaching a little bit. Like any play action fake, every Browns defensive player is running five yards forward. And there's just like a sea of air behind the, uh, the him for the tight ends. That's on the, the other coach this season that talked about scaling down the Uh-oh. playbook and simplifying a Hello. little bit. So that's, to me, just a crisis. Matty P. It's a and house a little, on fire. A little unsolicited advice uh, for Stefanski. Got to be strategic in your scapegoatery. Sure. Because if you if you can, hold off until January. That way you can have some – you could point to something after the season. If you dump your DC now and the season doesn't get better – you could have a problem in January answering to your own. I like owner. to call that the old Mike Nolan move. I really feel like Strategy. the Jets kind of stole their – like that game in hindsight. They stole their soul. They flipped places. I hope not. season a little bit because – I'm, like, I'm aiming higher than the 2020 Browns. I, that's what I'm hoping because for. Because like you're – you know, you're – losing close games and you convince yourself you're a better team than your record and the Browns are but then at some point you end up start playing bad games and the Jets on the other hand got lucky a couple times but then you end up start playing it's better like a games. body swap 80s yeah, comedy right. we've seen 80s football today uh, let's hey Shook not everyone's laughing thank you buddy and uh, no matter what happens in the uh, the baseball game you and I are still going to be tight I know that Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad How, you know, I was there last night. And I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Downtown oh, too bad. Cleveland's we going wild. We, can, we, can't, we can't talk anymore about it. But, Shooky, <laughs> thank you, and we'll see you next week, buddy, as always. <laughs> see ya. All right, we said goodbye to Nick Shook, but before we leave Cleveland, I do want you guys to hear just a delightful sure. moment uh, from Ke- Kevin Harlan. Oh, please. Just, like, oh, what, yeah. Friend of the show. Yeah. yeah, please. Good friend. But, tell you what, friend, I Heads. love my family, <laughs> and I love football, but I love blimps. <laughs> Maybe number three. <laughs> well, we've had some incredible shots I today. That's love for sure. All we have. I love. I it. love food too, but I love blimps. I think more than. Uh, I love lamp. <laughs> likes blimps even more than food. You know, that's kind of there's some boomer energy there because like um, he probably also loves fireworks and he, he loves space travel things like that. Yeah. Like the man on the moon and. Uh, I've always wanted to Billy be Joel. in a be yeah. in a blimp like in the little metal part underneath the blimp itself that little place where you look out the window and uh, you know i've been hard on trent green over oh, the, the years yeah that would also be, known that would as the cockpit fun. i'd imagine cockpit. it would be nice yeah. we should all take a what did you call it the metal part the little metal part with the windows that you look at while you're underneath the blimp part of it yeah the, bl- the blimp all right yeah, that's another uh, way to say it I- i've been hard yeah. on trent green uh, over the sure. years by the way <laughs> but if there's one thing trent green can do it can be a straight man to like a comedy well, he's very like straight. Him in that he found spot. his thing like him in that found as straight as possible all right let's take a break we'll be right back You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, let's head to Indy where the Colts, they're getting off the mat. 30-13 now for the Colts. 23 seconds left. Colts down by a point. Ryan throws down the near sideline looking for Alec Pierce. He's got it. Nice ball, nice catch. Matt Taylor, WFNI with the call. Matty Iceback? Colts back? Maybe. Come on. Matt Ryan lobbed a perfect 32-yard touchdown pass to rookie receiver Alec Pierce. 17 seconds to play. Gave the Colts a 34-27 victory over the Jaguars. Matt Ryan, listen to this stat. <laughs> Ryan was 42 of 58. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was a late scratch on Sunday morning for 389 and three touchdowns. Wow. Uh, which is outrageous. Uh, but it shows that it's still it's still within him. So let's bring in our AFC South correspondent, the Gravedigger. Uh, Justin, and I know this is annoying, but does it feel like the Colts are kind of finding their way here? We talked about that a little on Thursday. Yep. This is what the Colts do. They get better as the season goes on. This is a game that they led for 17 total seconds. Oh. But the most important 17 seconds, the last 17 yes. seconds. Uh, it was Cream a digger. Your your Colts will finish last place in the AFC South sandwich prop is looking like a big fat 0 and 4 right now. Ooh. But <laughs> that was a fun prediction. Sure. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> so who really <laughs> lost? I got a showman. I see your angle. The it's like, showman. It's like the, the friends we made along the way is the sandwiches for me. You should know, by the way, that Mark was staring straight ahead, tapping his fingers on the glass and went, the showman. <laughs> I do think that you have an element of a showman. I mean, you're 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 doing a fairly good job. Sorry to totally like sidetrack you with uh, irrelevant sandwich. You're doing nonsense. a fairly you're good job. You're doing a good job, a very good job. I, it, you're it, doing an excellent it, job. It I hope, between I hope these you two give worlds. your kids like more enthusiastic uh, <laughs> affirmation than that. No, this, Mark- this is an okay art project. <laughs> 
He's Mark fine. wants me to keep improving. I get it. It's good okay. constructive criticism. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, See it that way. It was kind of a weird game because it felt like the, the Jags sort of dominated the first half, but then they were only winning 14-13 at halftime, and then Trevor Lawrence didn't have to do a whole lot. The Jaguars are able to run the ball really well. ETN snapped off a couple huge runs. Agnew had a reverse play that was tossed around in the backfield a little bit and that he took for a long run and then the Colts came back and they stopped they started stopping the run they came down they took a lead Trevor Lawrence had an incredible response drive it was like the only time in the whole game that he had to do anything and he he was great converting on third downs using his legs using his arm and got them in into the end zone with touchdown to Christian Kirk and then the Colts came down with two minutes to go, and they and they did it. They went and they scored, and it was weird because they got down into field goal range. They converted on a third and four. They converted on a third and ten into field goal range. Matt Ryan takes a snap where they're, like, just trying to milk the clock and set up a better field goal and stumbles and falls down and loses four yards, and it turns into what would have been wow. a 51-yard field goal. I'm going to. And then two plays later, it's third and 13. Wow, they were forced into being aggressive. Yes. So That's third and 13, they caught the, the Jaguars in single coverage, threw it up to Alec Pierce, and he made a great play over uh, Shaq Griffin, and that was the game. I'm seeing this Jaguars drive that you mentioned, though. 18 plays, 72 yards, had it for 10-plus minutes. But if you were the Colts organization and you could have one vision after the Carson Wentz meltdown a year ago against the Jaguars, and you could see that you go get Matt Ryan, he throws the ball 50-plus times, you close the game with a touchdown field goal and three straight touchdown drivers, you'd be thinking, this is money in the bank. We're going to the AFC title game. It's just that it's been everything other yeah, but this, like, this second half that's that the was thing. a big problem. So, so, I'm not saying none of it matters, but the fact that they've gotten out of this at three, two, and one, yeah, kind, Huge. you know, they can yeah. they can improve. We know that Frank Reich has the play calling ability to improve. I love that they believed in what they were going to do today in terms of their short passing. Yeah, and they got it done. And their pass rush has really become a thing. Trevor Lawrence took four sacks in this game. He's starting to take too many sacks and hold on to the and ball. But I think the Indianapolis pass rush won them that game a week ago. It sounds like they were crucial today, yeah, too. It, Trevor Lawrence took a sack on a play that could have been a field goal on the Jags' first drive, and it just pushed them way out of field goal range. And then the Jaguars had the ball up by two with a chance to kick a short field goal, and they went for it with, like, an option play. And it was just there was no room for Lawrence. He pitched it to ETN, no room for him either. And, like, those were crucial. I mean, you get those two field goals, obviously. It's a totally different game. Um, Come back to us, Jaguars. I thought you were going to be a fun part of the season. I'm kind of stunned by a, this. Yeah, well, the, yeah, this is this is a near win, but yeah, they've been disappointing the last few weeks. And they, the decision to not play Jonathan Taylor, probably was a very difficult one for Frank Reich because I don't imagine he thought maybe this Matt Ryan would be unlocked at this well, point. You didn't have Naheem Hines either. I that, think this was a game plan because Ryan threw the ball 58 times. I know, right. but if Jonathan Taylor's playing, I would imagine it's, it's a different game. Exactly. Script. So it's interesting yes. that Colts can evolve like this, but 43 of his 58 passes were within 10 yards of the line That's of scrimmage. He does. And a, here's the crazy, and I don't know if you've already <laughs> said it, and apologies if you did, uh, zero turnovers right, and zero sacks. So right. a lot of, of positives. That, that's kind of unheard of to have that many dropbacks in the offensive line to keep you clean. And yeah. Ryan, who's a statue at this stage, to be able to make the decision. Just allow, allow some people to be suspicious about where the, who the Colts are going for. That's all. I mean, the Jags oh, were absolutely. not getting sure. pressure. I just mean in, this nice di- win. in this division, they've – 
they've steadied the ship quickly. Like it, it, we mentioned, how quick you know the long the season feels for the Dolphins and the Jaguars too. You could throw in there the fact they're getting out of this with a winning record here and some offensive, um, you know, good feeling. We're suspicious of the Colts as well, Mark. Yes, but real the, quick, nice win. They're, nice win. They're good, but not great. I'm not even sure they're good, but they were good today. How Michael, many how many great teams are in the league though? Going back to the theme of tonight's episode, they were dead well, last. No, we, we, Three. We get the chance to look yeah. forward to a good team winning the Super Bowl. That's real be, quick. That will be Michael fun. Pittman, 13 catches for 134 it's yards. Happened. Career highs. All right. Difference in the game. Thank you, Justin. Great work. The AFC South correspondent on fire as always. Let's head to Seattle. Seattle lines up four to rush on Tyler Murray, and they rush four. Murray steps up. He's going to throw deep down the sideline, and one reaches up and Uh-oh. makes another interception. Are you kidding me? Tariq Woolen. Oh, Greggy. position. He's fourth in four games. Oh, Greggy. I know who Tariq Woolen is. It's my guy. That's your guy. Mark tried to make it his guy. Try to. Denied. I can still enjoy him as a player. I don't really care about this rule system that you've put <laughs> concocted. Tariq Woolen had the game ceiling pick for the Seattle Seahawks and their beleaguered defense, which really had its way. I guess you could say had their way, but the Arizona Cardinals offense is struggling so much that it's hard to make sense of these performances sometimes. But at the end of the day, 19-9 Seahawks over the Cardinals. Oh, the Cardinals scored a touchdown? No, they didn't score a touchdown on offense. It was a, a botched special teams play by Seattle that led to a dropped punt uh, attempt and recovery in the end zone. That's how Arizona scored a touchdown in this game. So their struggles continue. And uh, good news on a day where your boy Geno Smith uh, Greggy uh, didn't kill them with mistakes, but took some sacks and the offense struggled to move the ball uh, with Rashad Penny out. Kenneth Walker, who's a very important guy in this on this team now, if Seattle hopes to be a playoff team, he ran for 97 yards, had a fourth quarter touchdown, 19-9. There you go. And in, uh, as crazy as it is, because we saw it as a big time division, potentially the Seahawks at three and three uh, shared the lead in the NFC West with uh, San Francisco. Wow. Uh, Gino, first place quarterback. And Gino is a first place quarterback. Uh, but th- this was a kind of a toughie, this game. It was p- playing opposite, hi- hypothetically or potentially the game of the year, uh, Buffalo, Kansas City. So it wasn't seeing football played at that level next to <laughs> football being played at this level. Not great. But at the end of the day, Seattle's not going to apologize for anything, and they shouldn't. Tariq Woolen may give Sauce Gardner not only competition for defensive uh, rookie of the year, but just best like defensive rookie cornerback. He, and he's got the same confidence. You got to love cornerbacks. Asked, you know, about his interceptions after the game. He said, I don't know why you would throw to a 6-4 corner who runs <laughs> a 4-2-6. <laughs> oh, that is like, hey, he's not wrong. That's swag. Used to play, uh, you know, wide receiver. So he's learning the position. It's one of the reasons I think he's like taking such an exponential leap. They are putting together potentially one of the most impactful rookie draft classes of the last decade. Both of their starting tackles are playing well. Uh, Cross Huge. and Lucas. Murray, uh, you ma- I mean, Kenneth Walker, you mentioned, uh, a rookie at running back. Tariq Woolen having this. That's four guys not only playing but playing well. And oh, by the way, they're, they're also playing Boye Mafe a decent amount. They're kind of starting Kobe Bryant. I don't think he's played that well, but he's been played. That's six rookies that are basically starting, and four of them are playing at a really high level. If you're a Seahawks fan, you've got to feel great about this kind of rebuilding season, especially on a day like today where you needed the defense to show you maybe they'll give this team a chance to stay relevant. I mean, that's that's what they pitched, and 
I, I thought there were a lot of issues going into the season with the idea of Gino versus Drew Locke. Um, but the youth part of it had the class worked out. You feel good about where they are. And like Richard Sherman came out and just said, this is one of the most amazing rookie classes he's ever seen as a player. And I mean, he understands what Carroll's trying to do. I, I think it's such a, such a, like a, energy shift from what's going on with Arizona because the idea that DeAndre Hopkins is going to return next week and change what's going on with this offense, 4.4 yards per play. They're a horizontal, they're, they're essentially a horizontal offense that can't unhook from what from their issues. They're terrible on third down and Kyler Murray cannot do it alone. He's not that kind of quarterback. I mean, he can be that kind of quarterback, but when there's the scheme is this uneven and uninspired, I don't think anybody could save the day. He runs for 100 yards in this game, but like it is horizontal. There's no vertical element to the game, and I thought it was interesting and unfortunate that kind of been talking for the last couple of weeks thrown in there. Well, DeAndre Hopkins is right on the, around the corner, and Marquise Brown, he's getting himself paid. He's having a big year. He's helped off the field late in this game with some Ugh. type of ankle issue. He did not look like – he didn't get carded or anything, but he looked like a guy that he got it landed on, I believe, on uh, the interception. Um, so we have to see what's going on with him physically because if, if it becomes a situation where DeAndre Hopkins returns and then Hollywood goes out, I mean, that just sums up the frustrations in Arizona – who are now two and four and firmly in the discussion of, you know, the most disappointing teams in the league. And I, and I can't help it. And I'm looking forward to you guys like watching this game. Uh, but I can't help but think like, what, what is management thinking now? You know, it's like, who do you, you can't fire the play caller. You just gave, Cliff Kingsbury in an extension, but nothing seems to be functional right now with Arizona. Wow. I don't think the extension matters at all if things get worse and worse. It matters, ex- matters a little because if they didn't have an extension, I would expect him to get fired. Maybe, with the maybe mid-season. But- with the extension, I feel like there it's a deeper discussion. The defense has improved each week, which is why this total clunker from the offense, I mean, three points against the Seahawks. I mean, that's... Literally the worst possible game you can have in the NFL is scoring three points. Like we against talk about the Joe Woods and, and Cleveland. That's it. If, if there was a flip side yeah. going on here, it would be what's happening in Arizona. But the right. way the organization is set up right now, it's hard to say. And one more note on their offense: they went 0 for three on fourth and short in this game. So they just don't have their vertical games hurting. If they need a yard, they're not getting that either. Um, they they're took, a tough watch. They they're did. a tough watch. I they, watched them on Sundays like four times, and I'm not doing it again anytime soon. They're what you don't want to be. Like the Vikings are a five and one that, by the eye test, doesn't really look like five and one. The Cardinals are a two and four that, by the eye test, aren't as good as two and four. Which is like that's that's where you it's don't want to be. Place to live. Uh, let's take a break. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so, I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we're back. The Carolina Panthers with their new interim head coach profiled as a get-right opponent for the defending champs. Let's see if that's how it played out. 20 seconds left in the third quarter. Another jet sweep, a handoff Skoranek. He's got speed, he's got the edge, he goes in untouched! Ben Skoranek, touchdown, LA! His first as a pro gives the Rams a lead deep in the third quarter. Love it, JB Long, our buddy, KSPN with the call. Also another Rams employee, Ricky Hollywood. Great Erica Tamposi. Uh, sent us a video of Sam Darnold stretching in the end that zone. He was doing that pregame. Sam Darnold ready to shock the world, potentially. <laughs> or not. Anyway, the Rams, yes, did take care of business at home. Matty Stafford passed for 253 and overcame another pick six. And Ben Skoranek rushed for a touchdown in the second half, as did Daryl Henderson. Two-game losing streak over. 24-10 win over the Carolina Panthers, and, yes, Steve Wilkes in his first game as interim coach. Greggy, um, you saw signs here of the Rams as they head into their bye being able to feel kind of better about themselves. I, I thought this was a significant game for the Rams. Not only do you have to avoid a loss against this Panthers team, uh, but you had to start showing that you could play offensive football. And the Panthers' defense hadn't been that bad throughout the course of this season. And they played well in the first half of this game. Like, it was just another ugly Rams game, and you just felt like more of the same. And in the second half of this game, just felt like for three drives, we saw the Rams offense. 12-play, 72-yard field goal drive that came up just short. 5-play, 80-yard touchdown drive. 10-play, 61-yard touchdown drive. And it just was using the classic sort of Rams plays where Sean McVay was one step ahead of the defense. Allen Robinson had his best game. Who? Uh, made, made Who's a big, that? Made a big mistake, I would say, where he faked out Stafford on the goal line. That led to the field goal. But for the most part, 5 for 63 and a touchdown. He he played well. And I just felt like it was important for them to go into their bye week feeling like that. The defense was absolutely dominant, as you would expect, uh, going up against P.J. Walker. But it was kind of next-level dominant. There was a seven-drive sequence where I believe they had about 38 yards, uh, and they had no first downs for a six-drive sequence. So it was dominant. What else can you ask for other than health, which they don't have? They lost left tackle Joe Noteboom potentially for the season to an Achilles injury in this game. So as as good as the second half felt, uh, that is a big uh, Pyrrhic victory. That is a killer for me because we're looking at their issues, and you know we'll see what happens with someone like Cam Akers who was essentially not – played today but not acted because of personal issues they want to get rid of them I think but like the Rams to me they're three and three and have looked really poor at times because of their offensive line problems I mean it's really it I don't I don't doubt Sean McVay I don't doubt 
like their skill position position players in general, but the scheme has been totally out of whack. I because doubt, I doubt their skill position players too. I think it's the combination. Well, all right, but I'm saying like they worked their way out of the dark corner last year, but they didn't win for an entire month. I think they have the DNA to do that, but I don't know if you can do that when you've gone and lost another offensive lineman. There's so much chaos happening because of that unit not looking like a professional unit most, yeah, of, the, most of the weeks. The Rams getting to the bye at 3-3 three and three is nice um, and important for them, but there's so much work to do, as you're saying. And on the Panther side of the ball, you know, not too much here because we know this is an organization in flux, but Steve Wilkes in his first game on the sideline sent Robbie Anderson off the field and into the locker room, I guess. I don't know the details beyond that. I'd like to hear more about it. Some sort of argument with the uh, wide receivers coach. He wasn't being played that much, and it seemed like it was more a uh, decision not based on an injury that they were essentially just benching him. It for sounds well, they like before about, that. No, they're actively like open to trading him and Christian McCaffrey, and I, th- I think that could have played into some of the Here's snaps Here's the today. latest on that, that uh, Peter Schrager – uh, our own Peter Schrager reports that the Panthers want multiple first-round picks uh, for Christian McCaffrey. So, Good obviously, yeah, a- right. any team that's playing the Panthers right now, pick them because this is not a team that's looking at the 2022 season in the same way as their opponent, most likely. Let's move uh, to the field formerly known as Hines, where the Steelers had a date with Tom Brady. Trubisky in the gun. Long count. Gets the snap. He's back. Fires for the end zone. Touchdown, Wow. Oh, a little stop, Rob, into some zone coverage. What a great job. Mitch seen it. He just seen it, man, and he let it go. He sees it, then he does it. <laughs> that's our saint. That's our friend that was like, a little kiss on the daisy, on the daisy rose. <laughs> uh, Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley with the call. W-D-V-E. Chase Claypool scores. Mitch Trubisky comes in for a concussed Kenny Pickett and makes plays. How about that? As Pittsburgh snaps a four-game losing streak and beats Tom Brady and the Bucks 20 to 18. I don't know. Mark, I didn't see a second of this one. You need to give us how did this happen? It's um to me kind of the stamp of the Steelers where you're coming off and really embarrassing loss. Uh, the worst of Mike Tomlin's career, to turn around and do what they did. Because let's start with who the Steelers did not have. You don't have T.J. Watt on defense. Minka Fitzpatrick was out. Akila Witherspoon was out. Cam Sutton was out. Levi Wallace. You're missing essentially your secondary. So a bunch top of four other, players right, back there. You're, you're, I mean, and so this would have been the day for Tom Brady, who had thrown for 700-plus yards in the past two weeks, to throw the ball downfield. Nope. Uh, instead, I think what happened here was Trubisky coming in fired up after you lose Kenny Pickett to <laughs> the concussion. You never want to face a fired up Mitch I mean, Trubisky. it was his best game of the year. It really was. Feels he like it's in, a perfect spot for him. He, he, it, exactly, because it was like the heat was off, and you come in and just do what you can. The game was manageable. He hooked up with Connor Hayward on a 45-yard catch run. That's Cam Hayward's brother. That led to the Chase Claypool touchdown that put them up 20-12. to 12. Then I thought the classic Bucks thing, because we've seen it all year. They're a field goal offense, and they were all day today. Long drives, 10-plus plays. They get close, but not close enough. They had a chance to tie this game. They go 17, 14 plays, 73 yards for a touchdown. And then Chris Godwin on the two-point conversion cannot pull down the Tom Brady pass. It's 20-18. to 18. And so here's where Trubisky could come and mess it up, mm-hmm. and you get the Tom Brady comeback. Instead... Mitch hits Claypool on a 17-yard pass. Beautiful. He play. hit him on a 26-yarder. And then Trubisky, 
unwilling to be denied, runs for a key nine-yard chain mover, and then converts a first down to win the game, essentially. And Tom Brady's look throughout this game seemed to be about as frustrated as I've seen him. Uh, let's hear from Tom Brady, who, yes, you can see it and you can hear it. The man is losing patience. Losing comes down to, obviously, scoring less points than the other team. Then you evaluate why you scored less points than the other team. It doesn't matter if it's Steelers or the Chiefs, or the right? So you can look at this and say, well, why didn't we score more points? I mean, that's fair. He's I was about to be a he's television so, analyst, so he's, he's so good he at saying that. nothing that now we're like. Sometimes it takes your breath away. He's like, he said so little there. Right, but that now we're <laughs> it built into like looking at the tone of his voice, and he does he does have that feeling. And I think Belichick is similar. When they lose a game, it's kind of like all of the life force inside of them has been sucked out like Freddy Krueger once sucked out uh, all the air from one of his victims. Well, and it's nice. just like nothing Halloween is ref. left. Yeah, but how about the idea that all that was sucked out of him at uh, Bob Kraft's uh, wedding or birthday or whatever People it was. need to calm down about that. So what, he went to a wedding on Friday I heard, night? I heard from desk uh, chief Dave Ely that yeah. he missed like some missed team part meetings. Of practice, yeah. practice. He traveled on his own to the game. Does and... any of this sound like the Tom Brady that we have grown to know and respect. I'm not, listen, I'm not challenging his professionalism. I'm just saying, all, this is not the first time we're hearing these kind of stories that you just wonder where he's at. Where's Tom at right Plus now? Plus everything else going on in his life. I mean, it's like you you are going through these changes to lose this game against the Mitch Trubisky-led Steelers. Tough sitch. I mean, I Todd you, Bowles. Tom. I love Tom Brady. Getting love fired you, up. He was like, I think God, we didn't take them lightly because they were like, did you take them lightly? He's like, I, number one, I, I number two, I think guys living off the Super Bowl are living in a fantasy land. Mm. You got to get your hands dirty got and em. go to work like everybody else. Maybe there is something to this. Got him. Didn't go to work. I mean, he literally didn't go to work. He, he went didn't. to Robert Kraft's wedding. He did not. That was a fairy tale wedding, though, from what I understand. Oh. Um, I'm sure. Talk wait, about based on reality. Wait, what if um, this is the perfect role for Mitch Trubisky? I think we know it is, but I really mean it. Um, you know, sometimes a, a hyped-up starting pitcher in baseball. Sure. You know, it doesn't turn into a, it doesn't work out. Right. But you bring him in as a guy who can have some flexibility in the bullpen. Sometimes he gives you four. Sometimes he gives you two. Either way, he brings you heat. Mitch Trubisky, as a good backup who is frisky for a game or two a season, that I can live with the next seven years. That's his, his destiny. He was enjoyable is, today. What you're what you're saying makes sense. And in, in, in baseball, it'd be like a, his his stuff plays up in relief. Right. His fastball's got a little more life. You know, it's just maybe this is his role in life. I don't think you it's want. It's not a bad role, right? I don't think you want. Like, uh, you did it for 15 years. He's now a, a great Amazon analyst. I mean, the model is not to have your starter concussed <laughs> weekly so that Trubisky could come in in a good spot and feel good about no, what he's doing. But, but you know, that's right. Good, He'll have to way. start next week. All right, one more game. Let's hit. Second and eight. Rush downfield. CD Lamb open. It's underthrown and it's scooped. And intercepted, C.J. Gardner-Johnson hurt his hand earlier in this half. He's okay. He's more than okay. He's got the big pick. Mike Tarico with the call, NBC. The Philadelphia Eagles are 6-0. and They got two interceptions from C.J. Gardner-Johnson. One of... Three thrown by Cooper Rush in a 26 to 17 win for Philly once again. Greg and uh, we're taking this home. Uh, Mark uh, had something to take care of. 
Um, once again, the Eagles, and this is a historic thing now, are dominant in the second quarter of games this year. Uh, this was a scoreless first quarter. I know the Eagles are marching at the end of the first quarter, but they outscored Dallas 20-3 to in the second quarter. Uh, the Cowboys fought back admirably in the second half, but putting themselves at that advantage allowed Philly to coast to 6-0. and Well, not quite coast. They finished the job, and there's – a, a way to look at this game and see, like, ho-hum. It's like, okay, Cooper Rush was starting. The Cowboys uh, held the Eagles under 300 yards uh, of offense. The Eagles averaged under four yards per play. And it's like, okay, you did the thing. You beat the Cowboys at home. No, no big deal. Let's not go crazy. But I do love the way this team has responded. So it's 2017 in the fourth quarter. The Cowboys just had maybe their best drive of the season, 93 yards, their second touchdown drive of the second half to make it 2017. And very similar to a week ago, Dan, when it was tied against the Cardinals mm-hmm. and it was uh, nut-cutting time. Ew, gross. So many better ways That's to what say they it. Call it. Uh, they just handed the ball off. They said, okay, it, it, we've struggled in the second half of games offensively this year. What are we going to do? They're just going to hand the ball off. 10 out of 11 plays to start that next drive. Jalen Hurts either hands it off or he runs it himself, including on a scramble. Then they throw a couple times on the goal line, get the touchdown. And I just like the way this team has responded in those big moments. We've seen them dominant for quarters at a time, often the second quarter, sometimes even games at a time. We've seen the defense step up, and we can talk about that. But I like how when push comes to shove, it's just like, we're going to run over you. And so far, no one's been able to stop them, including a, a great Cowboys defense. Right. We talked about how Dallas had not given up more than a touchdown in any of their first five games. And then they get lit up in this game. In fact, uh, Philadelphia averaged only thir- three and a half yards a carry on 39 carries. So mm. the Cowboys did a nice job overall. Hurts only threw for 155 yards. Uh, so I think the Dallas defense, I don't come out of this game in general, Greggy, I don't come out of this game thinking anything less of the Cowboys. Same. If not, if if nothing, I might even think more of them, especially with Dak Prescott right around the bend now. Uh, but yeah, that big drive did say a lot. It was Jalen Hurts, who has impeccable instincts when it comes to that uh, read option and knowing when to hold them and when to fold them. And uh, that has got them some big conversions in this game. And then you have their their one-two punch at wide receiver. While neither of them filled up the box score, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith each made big plays in this game, scoring touchdowns. So, yeah, we see it week after week uh, with Philly, the only undefeated team in the league. They've, they may not be as uh, dominant in a visually uh, appealing way at the, at the level of the oh, Chiefs sexy. or the Bills. Okay, not that sexy. They are they're highly sexualized to me as well. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, there is something to be said for this team's ability to win in so many different ways. They're well coached with a lot of talent and that goes ah. a long way. <laughs> and they've had some adversity. So Lane Johnson, their their great right tackle has a concussion in this game. It's going into the bye week and they have a pretty easy schedule after the bye week. So hopefully he's able to get better. But the second he was out Micah Parsons and the rest of the Cowboys defense started feasting for a few drives, really attacking them. Uh, they had another starter on the offensive line uh, out for portions of this game. And too. Jordan Mylot is banged up as well with a shoulder. So this is a nice time by here. Right. So they I, I just they've handled the different obstacles uh, that have been in their way. And part of it's just turnovers. You mentioned, you know, Gardner Johnson had two picks. One of those was tipped by James Bradbury, whose numbers this year? 
are just like outrageous. I feel like he's breaking next gen stats. They they showed that he's averaging two yards per throw, two and a half yards per throw on throws to him this year. <laughs> I mean, what what is that? Like, and he's supposed know. to be their second corner, and tonight uh, he was involved in in two of those interceptions. He has been outstanding. Like they they have playmakers. Brandon Graham had kind of the classic Brandon Graham play to clinch the game where he doesn't get a, anything in the stat sheet. He might have got a quarterback hit, but he's the one who pushes Cooper Rush to the ground as he throws that interception. So everything is just feeling very Eaglesy. They get to this bye. They're just going to be kicking back. But I, I'm with you. I don't. I feel good about the Cowboys. We were talking about how your power rankings mm. are messy this week, and that's, you know, people should listen to the power rankings show for that. But, mm-hmm. like, after the top three, who knows? And I think I might – Keep the Cowboys in my top, my personal top five. I think they're impressive. I will. Spoiler alert: I will be moving the Cowboys up off a loss because I do think they overall comported themselves well in this game, especially when it could have gotten very messy and turned into another bloodbath in prime time. Just to stick it to Tariko, who somebody's got a voodoo doll somewhere of Tariko. But this game ended up turning interesting in the second half. Cooper Rush. It's time. To, for Cooper Rush to return from whence he came to a nice, cozy backup role. I thought we saw that a little bit in the in the, in the the second quarter when Philly goes on that long march and the Cowboys get the ball back and he kind of throws the ball into coverage, gets deflected, intercepted, leads to seven more points for Philly. You just need the game script to be perfectly set up for Rush. Uh, but overall, he did a very nice job if this is indeed his final start. We'll see. We're see we'll see where Dak is. But in general, we talked about this the stretch of games, uh, the Cowboys not get didn't get the win here, but at four and two, they would have signed up for that. They would have run to the paper to sign up for that after six games. So that's fair. These are and, two good and teams. some good signs. They're running the ball well. Pollard and Elliott both ran it well tonight. The offensive line is playing better. I do think the the, uh, the lack of explosion we were worried about in terms of their pass catches. We'll see if that changes with Dak. It'll certainly improve, but I think it might still be there. Michael Gallup coming off of a you know, really serious injury. Doesn't seem like himself. It's still just C.D. Lamb, mm. but that that's relatively small problems for a, a team here that's foreign. Yeah, I guess I'm just leaning on Dak as just a much more dynamic player yes. uh, than Cooper Rush. Uh, we will see when Dak returns. Oh, we have a lock. Oh, that's right. I switched it to wow, the Eagles lock. Look at you. Out of the Giants lock or the Ravens lock. Right. Some people are Good calling that the uh, – lock coaching move of the century. <laughs> and also, Greg, on the Friday Fun Show, predicted that the Eagles defense would end the Cooper Rush hype with two turnovers. And yes! he was wrong oh, wow. because there were three turnovers. <laughs> oh. Well, I, what, I had to hit it at least two. That's yeah. implied. Yeah, no, Come that's on. not that's that's a miss, but we'll save that uh, litigation for a Friday show. And, oh, by the way, the next two weeks, the Cowboys venture to the NFC North for matchups with the Lions and Bears. So... Giants going to be okay. It's nice. Uh, all right. That is the week six flagship program. Thank you to everybody uh, for listening. As I said, uh, we have Monday Night Football with Greggy uh, and special guest. We're working on TBD. that. I thought it might be you, buddy. Oh, yeah. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, we'll have Power Rankings Tuesday. We'll have the return of Around the NFL with Colleen Wolf on Tuesday and the whole shebang. Until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. And remember, heed the call.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.